Welcome to the Renovating Riches Podcast. Entrepreneurs from Houston teaching you everything they know about entrepreneurship and real estate with the best guests in the real estate industry. Subscribe today on all major platforms and gear up for another episode of Renovating Riches. Welcome to a Renovating Riches Radio. Today, we got a special guest, man. Thank you so much, Daniel, Appreciate for, it, man. for coming in. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Daniel Chad Moore, uh, the king of Propelio is what they call him. He doesn't call himself that way, just so you know. <laughs> they call him that way. Um, and uh, he actually had a very successful event in Houston. Uh, what was uh, what was on the 21st? Um, they had, uh, he was just, we were just chatting offline. They had almost 200 people show up, you know, anywhere in between 100 and 200, including vendors. And uh, they had guys coming from San Antonio, my friends uh, Michael and Charles and Dancito Gancito and a couple <laughs> other people. Uh, do you have anybody coming from Dallas? Uh, yeah, we had Kristen Gerst come in from okay, Dallas. Yes. So we had Jason Palliser come in from Florida. Um, a lot of Dallas people drove down just to be a part of the event. The Dallas following is real Man, strong. Man, that, that shows the love and support you got. Yeah. That, that's, that speaks a lot about you. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's been a long five years of making sure that I don't that I don't mess people around. Like, I mean, it's been my whole life, but I mean, overall, I think it does. it's not hard to build a following when you provide more value than you take from people. Yes. So, so let's talk about you. Uh, who are you? Where do you come from? You know, social security number, bank account <laughs> number, that kind of deal, right? All right, uh, let me get my driver's license for you. But <laughs> you got one, <laughs> man. I I'm nothing special. I don't ever try to pretend like I am. Like, um, grew up in East Fort Worth. Um, spent most of my youth in trouble. Um, you know, by the time I was 19, I'd already done done enough trouble that I was looking at life in prison. Wow. And that was that was an eye opener for me. And coming off the backside of that, I'm just kind of when I was when I was locked up, I was reading. I was reading books. Just how, reading. how long did you serve? I didn't. I didn't get any pin time. I had to sit in county waiting to go to trial. Okay. So I was sitting in county for about six months before I got bonded out. All right. But while I was in county, the book cart would always come around, and I got a book off the book cart that was written by Ross Perot, and I don't remember the name of it, but he just talked about how he got his start in real estate and all that right. stuff, and he just kind of planted the bug. And then whenever I got out, I was walking through Walmart, and there was you know the the bargain book bin. And there was another book in there written by Kiyosaki and Donald Trump. It was a co-authored I, book. I remember that one. And I picked that one up, and I was like, and I started reading that, and I was like, you know what? Maybe there's something to this real estate stuff. So I went out and bought another book that, that same week, and that was Robert Kiyosaki's Real Estate Advantages. And I was 23 years old when I read that. Wow. Um, and then whenever I read that book, I decided, you know what? Real estate's what I'm going to do. And I went out and bought my first flip when I was 23. We had somebody on the show that had a very similar... Uh, trajectory and this guy is killing it right now. Shout out to Robert Cannon if you're watching or listening, Robert. <laughs> um, he uh, he 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 went to prison mm -hmm. and while he was in prison, I mean he did spend a, a few years, a couple right. of years, uh, a couple of times. <laughs> uh, he did a lot of soul searching and, and a lot of reading. But anyways, this is not about a Robert, about Daniel. Uh, but it's kind of uh, interesting on how the universe might take you through a path. Mm -hmm. um, to open your eyes and, and and sort of push you into a whole different direction without you even knowing it, because you probably you were just trying to probably spend some time by reading a book. 
because yeah, what, what else can you do? <laughs> I was bored, and, yeah. like, there wasn't a whole lot on the book cart that was interested in me, and I was like, I just remembered Ross Pro from being, you know, this tall. Wow. And just remembered how rich he was, and I was like, let's just see what rich people think. And I picked up the book, man. After you read the books, right, and and um, you got out, obviously, um, how long did it take for you to go strike a deal? I wasn't, when I got out, I wasn't going all in on real estate. All I did is just read that one book. But um, it was probably about eight months to nine months to a year after that whenever I was walking through Walmart and saw. And saw the second book. And saw the second book. And then after reading the second book, it was probably within a year that I bought my first. So two years later, and I'm pretty sure you went and tried to find jobs and things like that just to sustain yourself. Yeah. Which was, was very hard probably to do. I was, <laughs> ma I was making like nine bucks an hour at that time pulling wire for for an, basically an electrical contractor. Okay. All I was doing is showing up and pulling wire for them. And then, you know, I was on lunch break one day and I was driving through a neighborhood on my way to find something to eat. And the whole neighborhood was just Rough. abandoned. Like Rough. it was a pocket of condos, not condos, uh, townhomes in the middle of pretty much downtown Dallas. It was just a one city block full of townhomes. And I was driving down the road and it was pretty much abandoned. Every house on the on the block, the, the, the left side of the street was fully occupied. Well, it was abandoned during the day. Yeah, that, 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 that's a good right way of putting it. Yeah. Something else. That, 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 that ties in really well to how that whole property went because yeah. the one side of the street was completely occupied. The other side of the street was completely abandoned. There wasn't wow. a single occupant on the other side that was there legally. And it was just whatever, for whatever reason in the back of my head, I was like, man, that's, that's what these books talk about. That's an opportunity. And uh, through that, every single, every single house on that side of the street had a, had a uh, realtor sign in it, all different realtors. And I ended up calling up one of the guys, his name was Andrew from Coldwell Banker. And I was like, hey man, I want to buy this house. And he's like, well, are you pre-approved? And I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Yeah. I was like, no. And he's like, well, call your bank up, see if you can get a loan. If you can get a loan, call me up and I'll come show you the house. So during that lunch, I went over to my bank, which was just right around the corner and I sat down with them and they ended up pre-approving me like right there for like a 70 something thousand dollar loan, $80,000 loan. And the house itself was like $44,000. So I was oh, like, I was like, all right. More than enough for you to go get a, a property. So I'm sitting here thinking I bought the house. And I called Andrew up, and Andrew was like, uh, all right, I'll come by. I'll show you the house. We go in there. All the copper had been stolen. Um, all of the um, windows were busted out. It was boarded up. And um, the when they stole the when they stole the water lines in the house, the meter outside wasn't completely shut off. So the meter just ran inside the house. It was just, you know, the, the carpet was soaked. It was full of mildew. It was just nasty. Wow. And, um, and did the bank fund that deal? That's that's the interesting part. Okay. <laughs> that's the interesting part. So I did get the property under contract for forty four grand, and um, they sent out a bank appraisal. And when the bank appraisal came out, like I'm sitting outside waiting for him to show up. He pulls up in his Mercedes and his Gucci glasses, and uh, there's a piece of plywood covering the front door, and I have right. to pull that back so he can get, so in. He can get in. And he's just sitting there looking at me like. What am I doing here? Am I about to get robbed? What's right. happening here? And I got him in there. There's no lights in the house or anything like that. And his little Gucci loafers are splish sploshing through the wow. through the carpet. <laughs> and he's looking around and he's like, what's going on here? I was like, well, I'm putting granite over here. I'm doing all that. And he's like, you planning on doing all that before you buy the house? And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing all that before I buy the house. He's like, well, all this stuff needs to be done before I buy it. I got to appraise it as it is. And I was like, all right, well, that's no problem. He's like, but with the loan you're getting, you're going to have to have electricity. You're going to have to have heating and air conditioning. You're going to have to have a stove. You're going to have to have all this stuff. And I'm like, 
well, that sucks. <laughs> so I, I move forward, and um, they give me the list of repairs from the bank, and I've got like a 35, 40-day close with my contract. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, damn, I know that this is an opportunity. Like, my due diligence on this property was I looked at the tax rolls. Tax rolls said it was worth like $84,000. I've got it under contract for forty four. I'm gonna make money. Fifty cents on the dollar. That was my due diligence. That was, my, that was all I did. That's all I did. <laughs> what year is this? Oh, that was what year was this? This was two thousand six. Okay. Yeah, this was two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was able to the loan that I applied for was one hundred and three percent financing. So one hundred percent of the purchase price and three percent of the closing costs. Okay. And um, but they gave me a long list of repair addendum, and I was like, okay, I I quite literally moved into the hot water heater closet of the of the house. Um, and what I was doing was, because my work was like three blocks away. So I'd go to work in the morning at eight o'clock. At five o'clock when I'd get off work, I'd just drive around the corner. And from five o'clock in the afternoon till about four or five o'clock in the morning, I would work on the house. That's crazy. I, I'd go in there. You, you were putting sweat equity before you even closed on it. I rehabbed the house before I bought it. Wow. Like, that's the complete wrong thing to yeah, do. Yeah, that's like, you don't do that, guys. Like, yeah. literally, like. That's not, not what not to do. There's other programs today that will allow you to go do that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, that was just ignorance, but just determination on top of that. Yeah. It was the middle of winter, cold as hell outside, and I'm living in the hot water heater closet for like the next three weeks, just doing everything I possibly can to get that repair list taken care of. So I had to go through, get all the stolen copper taken care of. I had to go through, get, I didn't have an air conditioning system. I'm sure as hell didn't have $8,000 to put two new air conditioning right. systems in. So I just put those little, those little unit window heaters. Units, yeah. No, not window units. Uh, probably could have done splits. that too. Uh, no, just, you know, those little ceramic heaters you put in underneath your desk at work. Oh yeah, yeah. I put all those up in the ductwork. Because it was middle of winter, I put all those up in the ductwork and I tied them back to a thermostat on the wall. So whenever the, whenever the inspector came by and he turned the thermostat on, it'd blow hot air. Good. So I, I just I trick, I, trick the inspector. I, I faked my way through everything I possibly could because I saw opportunity there. But what I was saying earlier, you're talking about like how many people were living there that shouldn't have been living there, man. Like while I was there, these are townhomes, townhome after townhome after townhome catching on fire. Oh wow! Because people were moving in and they were starting fires and they're trying to stay warm because it's it's dead middle of winter. Right. And like be, between me contracting it. And closing, two of them had caught on fire. Wow. And between me contracting it and reselling it, about five of them caught on fire. Uh, so one of the units that caught on fire was my next door neighbor. We, we shared a common wall. Right. And whenever the fire department came out to address that fire, they cut through my roof too. So they cut a big hole in my roof, a big hole in that roof, and just soaked the attic space out of both of them. So now my, my second story attic is collapsed. And you had already closed on that? No, I was in the process of trying okay. to get to it. So in the process of trying to get to closing, I now had uh, to replace all the sheetrock upstairs. Oh, wow. And that soaked the whole thing down again. So, man, uh. it was just, it was horrible. But I, I finally got to the end. And I'm like, I'm a week away from closing. And I'm just now just like pulling through the final end of the repair addendum. And um, I called the bank for a reinspection. They send that, that inspector back out. And he's like, well, I need to see permits for the hot water heater. I need to see all this stuff. I need to see your receipts. And I'm like, man, I did all the work myself. And he's like, well, that's fine if you own the house, but you don't own the house. And I was like, he's like, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you anything. So like, man, it, it was, it was a, it was a fight. But on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of it, the bank was able to pull it off. They sent out another inspector. The other inspector was like, all right, we'll let you go. You got everything done you needed to do. And it cost me like 300 bucks and I closed on that house. Wow. So 
determination, right? Yeah. That house was so, going to be yours regardless. It, it, <laughs> and by the time you closed, you finished it and closed on it, mm -hmm. uh, did you sell it right away or did you stay there living? Well, no, so I didn't get a hard money loan. Uh, this was... Um, conventional, yeah. Yeah, well, it, was a, it was a conventional yeah, loan. Yeah. And 2006, if, if you were breathing and had a pulse, <laughs> you could get a loan. You get in it, you know. Um, and I did, so I got into it. But let me let me explain that that previous three weeks of work was shit. Like oh. it, it just it was whatever I had to do to get an inspection done. And yeah, so and you were working until four o'clock in the morning. Then mm -hmm. you were taking a nap because mm -hmm. you had to go to, to and then, work. And I'd go to work. I'd take a bath in the bathroom there up there. I'd just take a. I don't know, like a bird bath right. in, the, in the bathroom at work. Right. And then I'd go to work. Man, I was exhausted. I was working 100 plus hour weeks, you know, just around the clock all week long. And I didn't take a single day out. But after I closed on it, I had a really crappy house to live in. Now. Like the, the right. work wasn't, so I didn't have any repair funds. So I was only making nine bucks an hour. So the immediately after I closed, I went back for a home equity loan. Uh, because the appraisal when I bought it came back at like seventy-ish thousand dollars, and so I bought it at forty-four. Appraised at seventy-ish thousand. So you, you could have cashed out a couple, uh, ten grand. Something I pulled out like about that. twelve yeah. grand. Right. And so with the twelve grand I pulled out, I bought um, I bought two new air conditioning systems. Uh, I didn't have somebody else install them. I read I read a book I on really, how to install air conditioning systems. Yeah. I put two new air conditioning systems in the house, and then I proceeded over the next two years to rehab it all myself. Like every single paycheck, I'd get an extra 150 bucks. And that extra 150 bucks would go to clearance items at Lowe's or Home Depot. And I'd go, I'd go just run the run the circles. Every single day, I'd hit up three or four Home Depots, three or four Lowe's. Man, you should have write a book, the two-year flip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it worked out well for me because the tax code, like at, at the end of two years, if I held it as a homestead for two years, I don't have to pay taxes. No. So whenever I turned around and sold it, I sold it for like 150. Wow. And whenever I sold it for 150, my check at the end was like $97,000 and some change. So like I went from, you know, being dead ass broke to having almost 100 grand in the bank, which is something I'd never even heard of before. Yeah. And with that with that being said, man, like my life completely changed. I, it just became an addiction from there. I rolled it up and I see I hit almost I hit almost a quarter million inside of about two and a half years. So I took that 100, put it into four my four more flips, five more flips. And I just kept stacking it up. And what it was completely unknown to me was going on around me was the crash. So I'm sitting here flipping all through 08. And like, I finally got stuck on a property that I couldn't sell and I lost a big chunk of change. Wow. And that's what opened me up to, you know what, this stuff works, but you don't know what the hell you're doing. Okay, and what happened to the property? You get, you get foreclosed on, or do you give give it back to a lender? No, I bought that on cash. Oh, um, so and how do you end up losing it? I didn't lose it. I lost money. Yeah, yeah. You, you got stuck with it. Pretty I much, I got stuck with it. So it was supposed to be a property I was going to get in and out of. Uh, I bought it from New Western. Didn't know what I was doing. Right. And uh, bought it from New Western, and I didn't know how to run comps. Even at this point in time, I didn't really know how to run comps. I just kind of look at tax rolls, and I was pretty much trusting the people I was working with. And they're they're telling me, you know, 250 ARV, and I'm picking it up for like 135, 140, and I'm expecting to put about 50 to 60,000 into it. So I was into it for probably about 190. I don't remember these numbers. Right. This is like this years is a solid ago, 10 years. Yeah, ago. solid 10 More years ago. 11, yeah. Um, that to be said, I get into it. I'm into it for about when it's said done about 190. I'm thinking I'm gonna be able to sell it for 250. I'm not able to sell it for 250. I ended up holding it for over a year. 
uh, trying to get it sold. And you know, once a property sits on the market for over a year, you're, you're almost dead trying to sell it. Yeah, it's, um, all the agents are gonna come back and say that they, this thing has been on the market for X amount of days, there's gotta be something wrong with it. And they don't even mess with it anymore. It was a busy street, that was my mistake. I didn't know, I didn't know that that busy street was gonna mess me up like that. So uh, I learned my lesson there, but by the time I sold it, I sold it for like 202. 203. So you got and your money back and... I got. A, I, I ended up taking about $20,000 loss on it okay. because I ended up having to... Someone broke in in the meantime, so I had, to do, I had to repair all the vandalism. And then once you take out agents commissions and then taxes for that year and everything else, I, only, I ended up taking about twenty dollars to $25,000 loss on it. It happens to all okay. of us. So... But that, that, that came with a surprise to me because I knew I knew right then and there, I was seeing other people in the market doing bigger things than I was doing. So I'm sitting here saying, you know, Apparently, you don't know enough. You need more education. So I went back to what I normally do, which is buy a book. Um, buy a book. And that one was, um, I believe it was Real Estate Advantages by Robert Kiyosaki. And he's talked a lot about, you know, you want cash flow. You want cash flow. You want cash flow. And he said, you know, multifamily apartment complexes. So I'm like 26 now, 27, somewhere in that range. And... Um, I read that book and I'm like, okay, so I can do multifamily. Multifamily is not any different than single family, except for buying one house, you're getting 50 of them at one shot. Right. Uh, I put an 83 unit apartment complex under contract. Oh, wow. Um, so at 27, I was able to source a key principal to back the loan. And um, through that, I put an 83 unit apartment complex under contract. And I really wish to this day I was able to pull that one off. But while I was under contract, um, my KP backed out on me. Uh, his wife got cold feet and was just like, you know, I'm not comfortable with doing this. I don't want to do this. This guy has no experience whatsoever. Like all the logical things that you could probably say. Yeah, but they but, could have said that from the get-go. Yeah, so I'd already tied up money in earnest money deposits, tied up money in due diligence, and then I had to I had to forfeit all that whenever it came time to, to cancel the contract. So I lost like another 30, 30 grand right there. It was just like boom, boom. So inside of, inside of about seven to eight or inside of that year, and then another five to six months was under the contract with that other one. I lost 60 or 70 grand. And then my lifestyle changed during that time. You know, when I first started out, I was living dead broke. And then I got hood rich. I went out and bought the Tahoe, put $30,000 with the stereo equipment in it, bought the Briggle ranch house with the bling, horses. Bling. Yeah. yeah. Did all the stuff I shouldn't have done, you know. And with that to be said, my expenses were high. So my bank account's doing this while I got all this money over here tied up in this house, not doing anything. So this is doing this. This is stuck. And, you know, so my finances flipped during that time. And it was just like, man. And I did good, and obviously my ego's getting to me. Something's gone wrong. I need to take a look at what the hell I did wrong and get this shit fixed. So wow. uh, that's what I did, man. And I, this is what year is this, roughly? That would have probably been 2010, 11. Okay. Somewhere around there. And the bar market at the time is coming around. Mm -hmm. um, so that one that I got stuck in, was pr I probably bought around 2009. Right, so you had it for a couple of years. Yeah, and I got stuck on it until probably around 2010. And then when I offloaded that, I got a, that, that 83 unit was a short sale. A guy bought it out of, out of California. He remotely managed it and did a very poor job of managing the asset. So he had bought it just a couple of four or five years earlier, and I could see the purchase of the sale on the ML, uh, on the commercial MLS, and um, he had bought it for like 2.4 million or something like that, and I had it under contract for 1.1 million, and uh, it was 83 units, wow. and that asset right now would probably change tra trade for about 80 thousand dollars a door, and back then I picked it up for probably about 16 thousand a door somewhere around there. Wow! So you know, it would have been a slam dunk if you yeah. kept it, so, especially right now. Yeah, big um, time. So, so, so what happened after 
all of that. How do you start, like, I guess, turning the ship around, right? Or, 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 or sure. changing the strategies or getting better at it? So know? at that point in time, um, my liquidity went from around a quarter million down to about a hundred grand. That's right. All, that's all I had left. And my monthly expenses were pretty high. I was still working in uh, W-2 income. Uh, and I was just flipping and doing all my stuff on the sidelines. And um, I, I, got, I got, my wife got an email and she said, hey, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's coming to town. He's, he's going to be doing some training. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, hell, man, like, where else should I get my training from? That's the guy that pretty much got me on the road. About, right? So, right, so I show up to a, one of those free classes that you go to on a Thursday night. And Reach that for and, that. Yep. Three-weekend deal. Yep, and then I got bought, I bought into the three-day weekend, and then after buying into the three-day weekend, I was like, man, I'm gonna buy the I'm gonna buy the package. Right. Well, I sank all of my liquidity into the education. I was like, man, if I was able to build a quarter million by myself being stupid, I could easily drop a hundred grand on this and get all of the education from the experts. Yep. And that was and the free money and all that stuff oh, they talk yeah. about. Yeah. And that was the biggest scam I ever saw in my life. Wow. Man. What, what they did to people in that in that in that was just hideous, man. The, that's why they change their name like every two years. They can't get over all the negative reviews, so they just change their name every two years. So, it was it was it was an eye opener. It exposed me to to theory of what this business could really be. But coming out the other side of it, man, I was practically bankrupt and my head was spun out. Like, um, there's there's just nothing else to say other than once you get in there, they get you into this shiny object syndrome because they want you to buy more and more yeah. and more, and they leave you in a constant state of thinking you don't know enough to perform. You're on the hook. Yep. So on, you need them. Yep. It's like they, they become your drug of choice uh, by design. By design. So mm -hmm. uh, that's unfortunate to hear because there there's actually good events out there. Oh yeah. But coming from Robert Kiyosaki, somebody that I actually look up to the guy. I sure so do. Uh, I don't look up to his educational <laughs> right. now, uh, events or whatever. Uh, I've actually never been to one. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's a few of them out there that are, they, they follow the similar path. Mm -hmm. um, and they take people, they just, they're designed to take people's money. They, they don't, it's, they're not designed to, to teach people enough that they can go on their own. My, um, my history is like, I pretty much got kicked out of every school I ever went to. Right. Just like I don't conform very well to structure. I like I like to kind of have my own independence and my own thoughts. Well, I stayed true. Like they kicked me out of Rich Dad too. Like uh, when I come off the backside, of the, <laughs> I got kicked out of Rich Dad. You didn't Dad. get a refund. <laughs> no, like it was crazy. I sat down in a room just like this little small closet at one of these damn events that I went to. I showed up to the event and they pulled the director of education into the room and they sat me down at a little table like this. The director of education was there and another man. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, it, it, I'll never forget the day, man. Me and my wife were sitting there, director of education, and this other guy. And he pulls out this little manila folder. like It was like FBI style. I feel like I'm being interrogated, man. He sets it down. He opens it up. Which yeah. you have been in the past, right? <laughs> <laughs> got, got you uh, flashbacks, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, all right, what's going on here? And he pulls out this piece of paper, and he looks at it for a second. He sets it down, and he pushes it across the table to me. He's like, what's that? And I look at it, and it was a fucking bigger. Excuse me, it was a oh, it, it, it was a it was a bigger pockets post. There was somebody who was on bigger pockets, and they said, "Hey, I'm going to a rich dad uh, training this weekend. Has anybody in here ever done one? What are your What are your thoughts?" And I didn't bash them at all. I just went in there and I said, "Hey, I went to it personally. I would do it again because I can't complain about who I who I am today, and I'll never complain about who I am. But the money that I spent on that program." 
would have probably been better served if I'd spent it on a local mentor right. that understood my local market and how to operate in my local market versus spending it on high level theory that I could have got for free. But the thing that I got out of Rich Dad that I'll never, ever, ever be able to say was a negative was my network. Like the network of people that I met within Rich Dad gave me, you know, m lending options, not from Rich Dad Education, yeah. just from the people I met there. Because you yeah. get doctors that show up in there, they got, you know, $700,000 sitting in their bank account, and yep. they, they're not out there wholesaling, yep. but they'll fund you the money. So that's all I said. And he's, and he's got a freaking copy of it, and he's looking at me, and he's like, you know that you're in our Rich Dad Hall of Fame, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you're supposed to be supporting our company. You know that, right? And I'm like... All I did was tell them the truth, and I didn't tell them that I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't recommend it. I just said that what I got out of it was a really good network, and if you're truly looking for education, that's better somewhere else. And he's like, well, I need you to understand this. And he and I'll never forget how he said that. He said, we are in the business of selling education. We are not in the business of providing education. And until you understand that, you're no longer welcome here. And he kicked me out. Which is good Yeah. Uh, now because now you can literally <laughs> say what it is, you know, uh, but it, it is good that you are mentioning that. Like, so the networking portion of it um, is pretty important. It was phenomenal. Wow. Like, they've got, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of members. So I was constantly being exposed to thousands of people that understood real estate, and a lot of them were higher net worth individuals. So I went to an event similar here in Houston. Mm -hmm. that, so I, I was part of New Peaks, which was Success Resources at some point. Uh, it is success report, resources now, uh, and that's all they do. They sell education. Uh, now, you know very well that people that buy education, 99% of them don't do anything with it. Right. It's right. Like guys like us, the mm -hmm. one percenters are the ones that are going to go take it and run with it, right? Mm -hmm. So they had a uh, real estate, um, I guess, class attached to it. I bought into a big package that was a bunch of different classes, Train the Trainer, Guerrilla Business School, you know, they had all these different ones. They had one called Warrior, which I actually suggest to everybody to go take. Mm -hmm. uh, that one I support 100%, like, but they had this real estate one, uh, and I'm, I'm in real estate, so I'm like, ah, oh, I'm gonna go and check it out. And I sit on the front row, and um, the trainer is out there talking about how he flips houses in Philadelphia and whatnot, and, and he's going through stuff, but some things weren't really clicking, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, Man, I rehab it. What he's saying right now is kind of like, that makes make no sense. You know? And I started asking questions. You know, does anybody have any questions? I will raise my hand. Yeah, hey, what, you know, so I, I was putting this guy on the spot, but without even realizing myself that that's what I was doing. And then one of the things they said at the beginning is there's, you're not allowed to exchange business cards. Hmm. And that kind of, that was weird. But I was like, okay, I'm going to play by the rules. Well, this lady, who's actually now actively involved in the real estate investing community in Houston, mm -hmm. came and gave me a car. So, Ricardo, uh, your questions and this and that. <laughs> and she gave me a car. And I took the car and I was like, put it in my pocket. And they saw me. And they're right. like, hey, man, we need to go talk. And I was right. like, for what? I was like, you're exchanging business. No, she gave me a car. I never gave her a car. Right. She gave me a car. No, you need to go. So, they, they had actually already, right. you know, spotted me. And, and um, they literally kicked me out right there, right yes. there on the spot. Um, but and then I, I, I rolled back to the school. I was like, hey guys, I went to a real estate event and you guys are doing this. The networking portion of it is the most important one. These guys are not pushing. I said, like, yeah, we heard that before. We're going to drop them. Right. Uh, and eventually, the, I think they did. They dropped them, but I did get kicked out of one too. So <laughs> and it was crazy. the same thing. They were selling $100,000 coaching programs. 
Um, Man, anybody that's listening, like I have zero issues with mentors, coaching, you know, masterminds. I enjoy being a part of the masterminds that I'm a part of, and there's no way in hell I'd ever be where I'm at today without the right mm -hmm. mentors. But you really need to vet who you're putting your money into because there is a lot of frauds out there, especially with Facebook. The ability of people to get on Facebook and just start, you know, Facebook flexing and talking about all the money they make. Like, there's one guy going around and it just cracks me up. He's like, I do 50 contracts a month every month, and you know, I make I make on average $27,000 per contract. And I'm like, so I can do math. I can do math. Yeah. You're making $27,000 per contract times 50 contracts, and you're out here trying to hustle $5,000 coaching programs. It's like. You're full of shit, man. It, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, if you're really making 25 grand a contract, do you really have time to go do 5,000 coaching? Yeah. Especially when you can see all day long. That's all you're doing on Facebook is like, give me five grand so I can coach you on how I made millions a month. It's like, yeah. you know, you're like, let's just put some basic math to that. Even if it's $10,000 a contract times 50 contracts, that's 500 grand a month you're pulling in. It's like, Where's your, where's your where's your math at, man? Like you're doing five hundred grand a month over here, just at ten thousand per contract, but you're over here Facebook hustling five thousand dollar coaching programs. It's like yeah. it don't make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I agree with that. Um, I, I don't disagree with paying the right mentors, right? That are actively doing the business itself. There's mm -hmm. a bunch of guys out there that are wholesaling or flipping or whatever the case the lane might be. There's mm -hmm. plenty of lanes here. Um, just go make sure you look at their business. Hey, how many properties did you put on the contract last month? How mm -hmm. many people did you hire? How many people did you fire? Mm -hmm. Those are the questions that you should be asking. Now, how big the check was, because in reality, you put a $25,000 check. Yeah, but how much really? How much did you really net from mm -hmm. that check, right? What was your overhead cost? I know, you know what that feels like. Right, you know, <laughs> you put, oh, I just got 25 grand, and you just go, you know, it goes in salaries, it goes in the office, you know. Marketing. Marketing, marketing is a big one. I know. Marketing cost has gone up the, through the freaking roof. Um, I was just talking to a couple of experienced wholesalers in town, and they were telling us, man, my, our, our acquisition cost is five grand right now. And I was like, man, that's tough, because... Mm -hmm. If you bring in 10, which is average assignment of contract in the U.S., you're really left over with five, and then you, you got to pay out. You got to split overhead. that up in all the different ways, yep. and you really made nothing. So, yep. so okay, so you went, and that was sort of what year were when you got kicked out in of uh, About 2012. 2012. 2012. What happened after that? Uh, coming off the backside of that, like I said, I dumped most of all my liquidity into right. it because my thought process was, you know what, I've already done it once from the bottom. I'll go buy the most education I can, the best education I can, and I'll just, boom, I'll hit it again. So coming off the other side of that, my expenses had went up during that time. My liquidity went down to zero now. So I, what I ended up doing was, fortunately, I was smart enough, at least during that time, to anything I had, I had equity in, like my cars, my house, I had equity in all that. So coming off the backside of that, I, 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 was, I was spun out. Like, now, you know, they're all trying to, oh, you need to do short sales, you need to do wholesales, you need to do mobile homes, you need to do foreclosures, you need to, so like you can't, all kinds of different yeah, so I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm doing 90 different things and I'm not doing any of them well. Right. And so my, I'm just sitting there watching everything just go downhill. So uh, I saw, I saw that I was, you know, probably six months away from not being able to afford my house or anything else anymore. So I sold my house, sold everything I had that had equity in it, and I bought a $1,200 mobile home in the middle of the hood. And I just moved into that. And when I moved into that, were like, you married at that time? Yeah. Like, what was that transition for your family? Man, like, I was man? I was lucky, man. I'm I'm more than lucky. Like I'm blessed to have the wife that I have. So my wife grew up extremely wow. poor too, man. Like she grew up she grew up on the on the on the, on the poor side of the town, and you know, we both did. So all of that to be said, 
you know, she came up with me from the beginning. That first house that I bought that, you know, we lived in the hot water heated closet. I met her towards the back end of that project and okay. she, she she rehabbed all these houses with me. Like, so she, she saw the beginning and she saw this and she supported me 100%. So uh, we sold the horses, we sold the ranch, we sold everything off, moved into that mobile home. And we spent the next two years living in that mobile home, just trying to get that business off the ground, trying to learn how to wholesale, trying to learn how to do all that. And as I got closer and closer to the end of that two year span of just not really, really getting anywhere, um, I had a, uh, I, and I quit my W2 job at the same time. I was just like, this is going to be the path of my All life. In. I am going to make this work. I don't care what happens. My first year, I was, at that time, uh, my W2 job, I was pulling in about 90,000 a year. So I had a decent little W2 going on. And um, between that and my flips on the side, I was, I was living pretty fat, but I moved into the mobile home. My first, my first year I filed a tax return. I made like 16 grand. It was a, it was a shit year. Wow, you went but, from, you went from owning ranches and big houses and nice vehicles and all that into moving back into a mobile home. So that's a very humbling experience, right? Mobile home park. Um, it was a section eight mobile home park. So wow. it, was a, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty crappy little place. Um, but all that to be said, um, at the end of that year, and then going through almost another six, seven, eight months again, I'm like, it's just not working for me. For whatever reason, I'm just not figuring it out. I got a hold of a mentor um, that was a solid mentor. And he's like, man, why are you out here wholesaling? Why are you out here trying to do short sales? Why are you out here trying to do all this crap? He's like, how'd you make your money? And I was like, I made my money rehabbing. And he's like, why aren't you rehabbing? I was like, well, I don't have any funds right now. And he's like, well, you didn't have any funds when you got started yeah. before either, did you? And he's like, where'd you make all your money? I was like, rehab. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, I know construction. Like, well, I've got, at that point in time, I had probably 15 years of construction background on me. I started in construction when I was 13. So uh, I was a full-time employee at 13 from, from there on. Um, he, uh, he's like, man, just get back to rehabbing, man. Like, lean on that network that you found over at Rich Dad. You know, start borrowing money from them. Because at that point, I'd never borrowed money from anybody other than the bank. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, you used leverage. Yeah, just it didn't make sense to me. Like it, it, it scared me. If more than ten percent, twelve percent. Well, back then it was more like fourteen percent interest, it really uh, interest was. only loans. And I remember my first hard money loan was sixteen and a half percent. I never had a hard money loan. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I had sixteen and a half percent. And um, but it, I got it after I ran out of cash. So I went and bought houses cash. Uh -huh. I ran out of cash because cash runs out at some it does. point. And then I was like, man, I want to continue doing it. How do I do it? And that's when I learned about hard money. And that's <laughs> how I got into it. But I only did four or five mm -hmm. deals like that. Then after that, I tapped into private money. Right. Which was much better. I wish I'd known about it or at least, you know, everybody talked about it, but it scared me. For whatever reason, man, it scared me. Yeah, yeah, debt. And you it, know, you're getting in debt. Um, but I finally had a mentor that pushed me over the edge and was like, man, just start borrowing money. And well, I just started calling up the people that I met at Rich Dad and uh, they started saying, yeah, I'll fund you the money. And, you know, from out of nowhere, I was just like, all right, well, I'm not going to do anything other than rehab. I'm done with all this other crap. I'm just going to rehab. And my bank account started coming back up again. And, you know, it was from there that things started really working out for me. And then after I got my money back up, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start trying to wholesale some more. And uh, you know, because I wanted more flips, I didn't really want I didn't really want to wholesale. I just wanted flips, and I wasn't able to get them from wholesalers. So I started doing my own marketing, probably around 14, 15, and then um, that's just kind of what I did. Good man. So how do you go from being a flipper into Propelio? Like, what was that transition like, and why? Like, well, how did that that idea come to your you know mind and said I'm gonna go come up with a software that does all of these great things that 
you guys provide through the platform? It was an accident. It really was. Um, I was at that point in time, whenever I was trying to trying to get heavy on the wholesale inside, my best year was like 2016-ish. Okay. I, did, I did 60-ish properties that year. Okay. Uh, and it was just me and another lady at the office. So it, it wasn't a big team. But um, I had like probably 10 or 12 different software systems that were all, all costing anywhere between like 50 bucks to 200 bucks a month. And none of them worked together, but they all did one little thing that I needed. Like I, I needed my website. I needed a phone system. I needed I needed a little CRM. I needed something to do this, this, and this. And once you add all that together, I was spending you know twelve hundred dollars a month, thousand dollars a month just in software, and none of it worked together, which pissed me off because now I had to hire a VA to kind of manage like anytime. Okay, here's your, here's your task. Whenever something goes in over here, you need to take that and put it over here. And I was in a mastermind with a, uh, a real estate investor mastermind. And one of the guys in the room was also a software developer. And I was just like, hey, man, is there any chance you could build me out this little piece for my business? This little piece is what I really want for my whole team to work together on. And uh, I paid him 10 grand and he made this little, this little program that did what I needed to do. And then I came back to him. And I was like, all right, well, what if I wanted to do this? And he started talking about that. And then while he started talking about that, I was like, well, what if I wanted to do all this? And I was like, I want to do this, 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 and this. And he's like, man, like that right there, I'll just say blank check and it's going to start at around a million. And I was like, well, obviously I'm not doing that. And right. then, uh, we started talking and he's like, well, what if I built it for you? And instead of building it for you, we would just put it out to the whole world. And uh, that's how Propelio got started. Wow. So that's that's. that's that's great. So you were solving your own needs. Yep, that's um, where it started. And that's literally how I started my mailing company. I was <laughs> solving my own needs. Right. I would buy letters from a company in California, mm -hmm. and by the time I put an order until the time my phone started ringing, it was three weeks to a month. Hmm. That was too long. Like I couldn't, like, I was like, man, there's got to be a way to make this happen quicker. Mm -hmm. And I can't have 10, 20 grand just sitting there for a whole week and then by the time i go look at the property and negotiate and all that and close on it you're looking at three months to you know 30 days to 90 days it's a long so wait. i'm out i'm out 120 days from one, from putting one dollar in right so i went and bought all the equipment and figured it out and and <laughs> now i send the letter and guess what the next day my phone rings because it's awesome. you know it's quick turnaround i think innovation comes from 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 necessity like you know you obviously, you can't have all of your, your liquidity pushed out into marketing and then wait 120 days to get it back. No, you go broke. Yeah. You, you're going to run uh, out of oxygen. and Like podcasts. So the podcast, it started because, and I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast, uh, but we're kind of like solving problems, right? Mm -hmm. And for some reason, so we weren't, Dennis and I, my business partner, we, we were heavy rehabbers. So mm -hmm. we were very similar to what you did. We were doing... I don't know how many houses a year, like a lot. And we weren't part of the real estate community. We didn't network. We didn't have to. Right. Because we marketed ourselves, got the properties, bought them, fixed them. We grew a huge general contracting crew for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So all our employees were directly. We didn't have to go find, you know, an AC guy or whatever. We had all these people in place. Mm -hmm. And what happened was somehow other people started getting notice of us. And they will say, hey, can I go? We had a warehouse. And can, can I go to your warehouse? <laughs> warehouse materials and stuff, right? And we're like, sure, man, come anytime. And we're like just dressed like you, you know, flip-flops and, and, and Bermudas. And that right. was our lifestyle. And we loved it. <laughs> right. Because we both came from corporate. So mm -hmm. we're like, man, I don't have to dress up anymore. 
And they, man, every day somebody new will show up, and every day, and then it's one day it's like, dude, you gotta <laughs> stop this shit. And I was like, stop what? We we can't work. And it's like I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you got all these people showing up, like, and <laughs> we're just teaching them how to do what we do, and then we end up leaving the office at eight or nine p.m. because for the most part of the day you had two or three people show up, and and I'm one of those guys. I really want to help other people out, right? And I was like. All right, fair enough. I'm going to start turning people down, but how can we continue to help them out mm -hmm. without them taking, you know, maybe an hour, you know, of our time a day? Mm -hmm. And if it's three of them, there's three or four hours now. And he's like, well, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube. Like, he follows people on YouTube or whatnot. He's a car lover. <laughs> he, love, he loves Lambos and things like that. He's like, why don't we do a YouTube channel where we just interview other people uh, or we talk about what we do and that's how we... If somebody calls us, say, hey, can I go to the office? And I know, go check out the Renovating Riches that makes podcast. And then if you have more questions, then send us an email and we'll go from there. And it's not that we were turning down networking. It was just that it was really taking a lot you of time. You do have to be very conscientious of your time because, like, it doesn't take long at all for you to lose a big chunk of your week just doing nothing other than helping people. And I, I ended up in the same path. Like, man, like, everybody that asks, like, hey, can I... Can, uh, you know, can can you teach me this or that? I would. I'd say, all right, let's go somewhere. Let's sit down and meet. And I'd spend three or four hours. And I'm like, all right, if you want to get started, this is how I did it. This is what I did. Go go out here and do this, this, and this. And you take that times 10 people a month. Well, that's 40 hours out of your month that's just that's gone. It. And that's and how You're not getting compensated by it either because you're no. not charging for it. You're just doing it in, in good faith. I I want to see other people win. And that's why, that's 100% why we started the academy. It's like, if I'm spending 40 hours a month trying to help other people out one at a time that's no longer that's no longer scalable and i can't, i don't have 40 hours a month to just give to something like that so when we created the propelio academy it was 100% how can i automate helping everybody that i want to help and and still and still be able to move forward so we created the academy where i would basically just take everything that i do sitting down with somebody at a table like this and teaching them but instead of doing it one on one i just do it on camera and then if anybody ever calls me and is like hey daniel how can i wholesale but like, go watch the video i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not here uh, to to mentor you and everything like that but if you truly want to learn how i did it go watch the video and it's all there so that's good so and it's free by the way yeah it's you don't have to pay for anything you just go to propelio.com uh, forward slash academy, I think it is, mm -hmm. and uh, you got all kinds of stuff there. You got owner financing. Uh, what what sort of subjects are you guys Ooh. covering right now? Subject two wraps, basic owner financing, mobile home investing like Lonnie deals. Uh, we've got multifamily investing in there. We've got uh, we've got marketing in there. Like Christina Cross came in from Boston to teach on that. She does about one and a half million a month in direct mail. Mm -hmm. uh, so she comes in there, teaches about KPIs, how to analyze, follow up, and keep track of all that stuff. We've got stuff in there about neurolinguistic programming. We've got stuff in there about negotiations. Uh, we've got stuff in there about how to maintain your finances as from a CPA bookkeeping standpoint. It's really a university what you mm -hmm. have. It's 100% all there. Not day. an academy. I wouldn't call it an academy. <laughs> I'd call it a university. I'd like to, <laughs> but that's illegal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you have to register as right? a university, right? So, so. Um, that's awesome, man. Uh, mm -hmm. I've actually watched some videos um, uh, from there. Um, I've actually started getting a, a, a hold of Propelio through Facebook, like somehow it started popping up on Facebook and mm -hmm. there was people talking and, and I was like, man, that's actually pretty cool because we were already podcasting so we could relate okay. uh, to what you guys were doing, but you guys had a different setup. It was more like a, 
um, like a library type setup where mm -hmm. you have four different people or three people or whatnot just right. giving knowledge out. And, and it's pretty actually pretty cool and pretty pretty awesome. Well, so what that. does Propelio, like the platform, can you tell us a little bit about the platform? So the Propelio software itself is is essentially the ability to help you kind of with your acquisitions. You know, if we're, we've got four, four key things that Propelio does. MLS comps, especially for here in Texas, like Texas being non-disclosure, if you're trying to get access to the MLS comps, waiting on a real estate agent can kill a deal. Oh. Like it, it actually, it can just completely kill a deal. So immediate access to true MLS comps with Propelio. Um, you go a step further from there, lead lists. Like one of the blood of your business is the ability to acquire properties and lead lists is one way to get that started. So we provide nationwide access to county records. So you can see deed filings, high equity, low equity, no equity, vacant properties. You can pull all those properties in Propelio up to 5,000 a day. Uh, here in Texas, we do pre-foreclosures, probates, affidavits of airship, and we also do uh, appointments of substitute trustee. For people that are watching, a lot of people back in the day didn't know what appointments of substitute trustee were. That's kind of one of my niche lists. So we do lead lists, we do um, true MLS comps nationwide, but then we also do websites. So if you need a website for your business to do some lead capture from, some SEO pay-per-click campaigns, uh, we offer turnkey investor websites. You don't need to have any experience. Just five minutes, you can come in there, get your logos up on your website, get your branded colors going. You've got your website up and running. And then we do a Driving for Dollars app. So with the Driving for Dollars app, you can go out, do your driving. It'll show you on the map where you have driven. So it's easy for you to see that. It's also a team-based system. So you can see where your other drivers have been going drop pins on maps, pull up the owner's information, all the record locations, and then you can skip trace them, cold call them right there, and you can send them direct mail all from within the mobile app. So those are the core four things that we do right now. And our goal before the end of the year is start adding over in some voice systems. So that way you can bring your call systems in there as well. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So what's next for Daniel? Like, what, where are you going forward? Oh, man, uh, I've got two really big thought processes in mind right now. One of them is essentially I'm, I'm looking and I'm not even looking. I'm going to um, establish this is a lofty ass goal, but I'm establishing essentially the opposition to NAR for real estate investors, mm -hmm. uh, establish some sort of lobbying legislative body uh, that is truly there for the people, kind of create a code of ethics, kind of pull all that together and start getting people to join a national body of real estate investors so that way we can start defending our industry against lobbyists on the other side of the table because we're losing a lot of of our abilities to transact business with the way things currently are like wholesaling is coming under fire under legislation and we have no representation in it all types of owner financing are coming under fire from legislation across the United States and what what's what sucks about it is in some ways it's a legitimate complaint. You know, somebody out there as a real estate investor, and I'm not even gonna call them real estate investors, they're con artists, yeah. they're a scam. Like, real estate investors don't screw people over. Con artists screw people over. Mm -hmm. And we don't want con artists in our industry either. No. But um, what happens is once these bills get written to prevent the con artists from doing what they're doing, those same bills prevent real estate investors from doing what they're doing because they don't put in the the correct language to allow us to still transact our business so if we don't unite in some form of getting together to lobby against these opposing powers then we're really stuck in a situation where we're not going to be able to do the business we've been doing so that that's something that's high on my list that's moving forward probably within this year 
And then the next step beyond that is I'm really looking to write three new books. Like I've, I've been really, really pushing three books in the back of my head. And those books are going to start this year. So I'm excited about that. Good for you, man. Um, well, man, thank you so much for coming to, uh, to our podcast and thank sharing you, your journey and uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, we wish you the best. Uh, guys, go check out Propelio.com. Uh, if you're if you're interested in in knowing more about it, you know, just go to the academy, and there's plenty of stuff to learn about. I mean, there's I don't think there's not a subject that you guys don't cover through yeah. the academy right now. Um, and uh, feel free to use the app. I think you give it for free. Uh, there is no commitment for like a couple of weeks or something. You like got that a you two two week free trial, uh, no credit card required. You can go in there, sign up with an email, and with an email, you've got access to a full 14 days of the product. So one of the things I believe in is that I give far more value than I'll ever take. So with that to be said, my thoughts are is after 14 days of trying it out, really, you know, I have, I have no doubt in my mind that if you're an active real estate investor, you'll see the benefit of it and become a, a part of the Propelio community. Good deal. So, well, go to Propelio.com. The, uh, you have a group as well, right? Yeah, uh, Propelio group. Propel, just search for Propelio on Facebook. We've got that out there. Make sure you watch the videos. They're pretty good. I watch them. I learn a lot uh, by, you know, being exposed to that information. We don't know it all. Right. But but certainly there's people in our groups that know their niches. And mm -hmm. and uh, before you know it, you you become better. And, um, man, thank you so much for doing what thank you're doing you, with Propelio, Daniel, because it's, it's really helping the community elevate mm -hmm. uh, to a whole different level. And... Um, you know, we all ships rise together pretty much. Oh yeah. And um and you're you're definitely doing that. So that being said, guys, don't forget to hit share, like and subscribe. Uh make sure you go and give us a, a five star review. And if it's less than that, let <laughs> us know why. Okay, so we can improve it. Uh also if you wanna hear from somebody, send us a message. We'd love to have him on, on the podcast. And until then, you take it easy. Bye. Awesome.